What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. Here for another week of action. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Got our, it's funny, I'm going to start calling you our college football analyst on only college football uh, episodes, and then when we got the old one, I'll just call you our football analyst. We're going to do yeah. that. But anyway, here with our college football analyst, Thomas. Anyway, Thomas, what's good with you, man? Hey, not much, man. Glad to be, uh, glad to be back on, as usual. Y'all, so while the whole world uh, was, well, without further ado, welcome to the sports house. Open up the champagne, pop. It's my house, come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in. Okay, yeah, and anyway, y'all, what I was saying was it's funny. As me and, me and Thomas, it was right before the Colorado game started. I'm sure everybody was watching the Colorado game, all the festivities that went beforehand. I saw earlier in the week, they said there were 60 minutes was going to be there. And then they had first Tate, and then obviously game day. Big new kickoff was there, right? Were they? I mean, I don't know. I was about to say, if they weren't, they might have been the only one that weren't. And they and even they weren't, I'm sure they had some representatives out there. Yeah. But everybody was there. And then we see The Rock is there. Lil Wayne is doing a – the fact that Lil Wayne did a mini concert at college game day, then, <laughs> like, how they do it, the boxing matches, he walked the team out and saying all the fireworks were going on. And I called Thomas right before the game start. Thomas was thinking the same thing I was. Like yo, this 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 guy this got all the recipe to be the to be a, a upset. It just had yeah. all you got that you got the California. I'm telling y'all, y'all, he's a little cheat code. And there's a quarterback from Southern California. Uh oh, y'all. Full disclosure: We are watching this today, <laughs> Monday Night Football. If you hear uh oh every now and again, my Browns are playing and are causing me a lot of problems tonight. But um, you got a California quarterback playing for um. Uh, for Colorado State, because he's just he was just in for this game because the, the other quarterback was hurt, and he just you got good receivers. I didn't realize the Colorado State roster was full of transfers, just like Colorado was. Mm. And so you see that Thomas, what were some of the other things that you other reasons you thought there could be a chance for this to be kind of an upset? Because I remember mine specifically was a California quarterback and just all the distractions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm you know in agreement with you. I think like all the just all the stuff going on outside, you know, the actual game, like, you know, all of the talk that was going on throughout the week wasn't necessarily about, like, the on-field product. It was, you know, obviously kind of like the – I don't want to – I wouldn't even call it, like, a back and forth between the coaches. I mean, Colorado State's head coach made his statement, and, I mean, it just was kind of like everybody just reacting throughout the week to it. Um, You know, it's not like the really – made any jazz back at him or anything like that. So I wouldn't call it like a back and forth. But, yeah, no, nah, just like you said, there's all the distractions going on, all the field of celebrities and all the trash talk. And, you know, I don't know. It was just, like you said, just like a perfect setup for that trap game or, you know, 
just Colorado just building themselves all the way up there just to, you know, get let down. It just seemed like it was like the perfect recipe for all that. And then I forgot about the pregame antics. That, and that was major. Oh, too. yeah, yeah. Shador kind of going at the guys. I think they felt Shador decided to go warm up in the middle of their situation or whatever happened there. He's always going to flash that watch. We see that's kind of like his new trademark. That'd be a really dope um, – not symbol, but you you know, like a brand. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Where you have a. Uh, I think you know. I mean, I think you got the right like trademark. That's kind of like his trade, like signature, like you know, move. I guess you would say. Hey, the money they operate with NIL in Colorado, especially bringing like eighteen million dollars to the city for a game and things like that against. Well, that was the week before. I think that was against Nebraska. You bring in eighteen million, so yeah. it's like. They, you might see him pop out one day pregame with a chain with somebody doing something like that on because they making enough money. But um, and then you see Travis Hunter out there and Travis Hunter signing autographs pregame and him and Shador are like perfect combination. Yeah, because it, it's just a lot going on pregame and I was just like, huh, okay, let's let's see what comes out and that they got shell shocked a little bit. Once again, I just want to emphasize, I did not realize Colorado. I'm thinking, I didn't think Colorado State had athletes like that. They had the transfers they had. You had the big boy tight end, which we'll talk about more a little bit later. Huge, yeah. fast, could move. Uh, and their defensive line was specifically Camaro, but the rest of them too a little bit, especially when he was out there because I guess he just caused for so much attention. Yeah. They did that defensive line that we were talking about in previous episodes where whenever you get away from them or if you go on a scramble, they might catch you. They yeah. weren't just one of them defensive lines you just get away from. So I was just shocked. Were you surprised to see – them come out or uh, with so much kind of intensity or do you think that or were you kind of expecting that from them? Nah, I mean, I was expecting uh, I was definitely expecting that Colorado State. Um, you know, just kind of going off all, you know, all the stuff we said that was going on before the game happened. You know, you expected both teams to kind of come out with, with some fire, especially Colorado State because, um, you know, you know that coach is probably preaching to them like, you know, you got nothing to lose, you know, the whole spiel when you're, you know, big time underdog and it's kind of like all eyes are on everybody but you. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they were kind of taking that personal. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I was just more surprised to see how long it actually lasted. Like, you know, we see a lot of times teams come out and, and come out pretty strong, you know, like first couple of drives will come out strong. But, you know, once a better team gets settled in, it just kind of goes downhill from there. But, yeah, I was just more surprised that that how long that you know intensity stayed you know uh you know at that I don't even want to say highest point but you know it just seemed like it just kept building throughout the game you know as opposed to to falling off like like we've seen a lot of games and it was I would say it was kind of interesting because for that quarterback kind of want to talk about him a little from Colorado State I did some research on him so he is a Southern California kid from San Diego it just so happened when COVID was going on his family decided to move to Texas so he could play because you know like, it was a big thing at that time, or especially California, where how strict they were if they were going to be able to play or not. And so you're like, no, yeah. he's going to play. You saw this with a lot of guys moving to like Georgia. So you yeah. had quarterbacks throughout the country, or even other uh, positions, moving to different places so they could play. So he did that, and dude, for that to be your start on the road in that type of environment, and to put on that type of performance. Now, granted, it was a really great performance. But his receivers were just making great plays. Just want to pull up his stats right there. He went he went 34 for 47 for 367 yards, three touchdowns. His name is Braden Fowler Nicolaisi, or I think that's correct. It's something like that. But the <laughs> thing was, he was able to just hit the short routes, the underneath routes. Yeah. I had not 
have we really seen a team attack Colorado like that? What were your thoughts on whenever you kind of know? Because it became glaring obvious that this is what they were doing and nobody could stop yeah. them. And they had receivers yeah. that could make plays after the catch. Had, had you seen like Colorado do uh, a team play Colorado like that before or did that kind of come out as a shock to you? Nah, I mean, uh, nah, I mean, I can't say I've seen a, a team playing like that before. I mean, obviously, the only like kind of comparable game would be that TCU game. I mean, we saw how last week they, you know, pretty much shut down Nebraska for the most part. Um, uh, and I mean, Nebraska's offense is in, you know, necessarily that type to throw the ball all on the field. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we we hadn't really seen a team just. Hit them with just one thing, I guess you could say, for the whole game, like the TCU game. Uh, you know, like I mentioned in that episode, it was, you know, they had a good balance, but I think TCU could have ran the ball more and they would ended up winning. Um, but, I mean, this Colorado State game, it was almost like, a, I, I think uh, Shador and, um, you know, Colorado State's quarterback, Fowler, both had 47 passing attempts. So it's like, you know, they were going blow for blow when, when it came to passing attempts and stuff like that. Um so yeah, I, I just think that was kind of the the difference. Like I like I mentioned with the TCU game is, is we saw what was working for TCU, but they didn't necessarily stick with it. Like Colorado State, I mean, it's like as as viewers, we kind of all, you know, it's like when it was a big moment. Anytime they needed some yards, it felt like we all knew what was coming. It just like Colorado wasn't necessarily adjusting to it. Um, you know, is what it felt like more than anything. More than them just getting beat by the same thing. I just feel like Colorado didn't do a good job of. Uh, adjusting to, to all those underneath routes. And the thing was, like, because, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, Travis Hunter got hurt, and so that's why those uh, D, their, their receivers for Colorado State were able to kind of, you know, put in work. But they were doing it even when he was in the game. They kind of started hot. Really wanted to highlight the guy, Torrey Horton. Torrey Horton went head, what is it? Let's got his stats right here. I think he went 16. He has 16 receptions for 133 yards. If a running back gets 16 carries in the game, it's like, oh, that's a decent game for a running back. So nevertheless, a receiver, you had Brown, which was number four. He had 10 receptions for 131 yards. Both of those guys had one touchdown. And it was crazy because pregame, you heard the broadcast announcer saying, they were like, hey, Colorado State has some receivers that, might be kind of you know kind of nice out there we're like okay yeah. you're, you're, you're trying to equal it up here it's got to be good journalism i get it when those boys got the ball they were able to make plays in space and they were just able to get a lot of attempts and i'd imagine thomas from, from your perspective i'd like to hear as a college receiver you get in the game would do you when you were playing would you prefer like the deep balls or do you like getting a shallow with uh room to kind of work with uh i mean it, i think it depends on you know what kind of receiver you are I mean, I'm not the fastest guy, so you know, I, you know, I I kind of like more like the intermediate areas where I feel like I was best. But I mean, for um, you know, receivers like that at that level, um, you know, it it definitely helps uh, to get all those short passes and 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 little drags and, and hitches and stuff you catch, because um, it just it kind of keeps you, I want to say keeps you warm, but just like you know, keeps you like involved in the game. Um, it's not like you're having to wait, you know, every three drives and then you're just getting some, you know, go ball or post route down the field. And that's like your one target, you know, catching all these, um, you know, little short passes. And, and that's kind of how uh, what college football has become these days is like that short passing game is a, an extension of the run game more than just actually running the ball. Um, so, yeah, as a receiver, like it, it keeps you involved in the game, um, you know, 
receivers out. You always get like that diva label, you know, uh, you know, complaining when they don't get the ball and stuff like that. So that helps that, um, you know, it's all day right in and there. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking at the stats right here with you, um, and I think you know if you look at Horton's stat line, that I think more than anything, if you look at the longest reception he had, that kind of speaks to. Colorado State's game plan, it says his longest reception is only 16 yards, but he was their leading receiver. So that kind of just shows you, you know, all the all the kind of underneath stuff um, they were able to hit Colorado with. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, just that that offense and, and kind of like you how you said, just getting that many attempts in general is a receiver's dream to go out there knowing, you know, y'all are going to throw the ball almost 50 times that game. So it's like, you know, the opportunities. Uh, almost endless. And, I mean, he was spreading the ball around pretty well, too. So, yeah, that's, you know, that was like a receiver's dream type game right there. And just to speak on Horton specifically, which was the guy, y'all, that was the guy. Because you don't know, he was 14. He was running, running around. He's from another guy from California, from Fresno, California, went to Nevada before he was at uh, Colorado State. And that just shows you, man, sometimes that transfer works really well for you. Because yeah. at Nevada, he wasn't on no stage like this. I mean, we didn't really know Colorado was going to be like this, but now you're in front of all the stars. Everybody in the country is watching. It reminds me a lot of the receiver from South Carolina State a couple years back, whenever they would play Deion Sanders. It's like, you know, he was a receiver South Carolina State, so local people might know him. Some HBCU coaches, you know, you watch the films. Okay, this is a guy we're going to have to deal with. But when you get put on that big stage and everybody's watching, you ball out on that level. Yeah, You hear a lot of sports guys saying he made himself some money tonight because now – Scouts might be out there at uh, Colorado State at practices. You're like, yo, does this guy do this on a weekly? Right. A great game because you got to see everything from you got to see him catch a shallow. You got to see and him make move after the catch. You got to see him on the sideline make the tough catch, get his feet in bounds, use his length. And like I said, I just think he probably moved on some teams, like maybe not like top of their board, but definitely on the board. Yeah. At yeah. Least at least enough to want to go out to practice or hit up a coach, get some more film to understand him more. So. Huge day for him. Let's see here. I got a couple of notes for them. Got to mention Travis Hunter getting hurt. That hit. Dude, when I saw that hit, first of all, the safety for Colorado State has been getting death threats. You saw that? Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah. That thing is insane. When I saw the hit, I was like, ooh, that looks like this. I think of most people who are all watching this game, because we I don't even know what the ratings were. I know they were insane, but we was watching this game at 2 a.m. on the East Coast, depending on where y'all listening at. Yeah. But, um, it's like you see that, and it's like mm, that doesn't really seem like something you he might just come back from real quick. But to his credit, I think he finished the half, and I was listening to him talk on his live stream, and he said Travis Hunter, that is in case I keep saying he, but Travis Hunter said that uh, the doctors kind of pulled him. He said if it wasn't for the doctors, he would have kept playing. But mm-hmm. then in the middle of the broadcast, we hear, oh yeah, Travis Hunter's on the way to the hospital. We're like, oh, yeah, wasn't expecting that. Just kind of Thomas, I'd like to hear your perspective on uh how much you think that impacts the game whenever Travis Hunter leaves? Yeah, I think it, it impacted him a lot. I mean, when he's in the game on offense, he kind of, uh, you know, services as like their – I don't, don't want to say the number one receiver because, I mean, we see the way Shador spreads the ball around. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, multiple weeks where there are multiple receivers with double-digit catches. Um, but, I mean, you see – the, the TCU game, you know, he, he caught that big third and uh, long or fourth and long, whatever it was early in the yeah. game that kind of kept it driving for him. Next week against Nebraska, he did the same thing on like a third and long, uh, you know, Shador rolled out and, and threw that deep ball to him. So it's almost like a, 
you know, usually you see that from like a like a tight end, and we did kind of see that from Jimmy Horn, where it's like you you refer to him as like Shador's safety blanket, but it really kind of seemed like that's what Travis was on on a lot of these like gotta have it plays. It's like you knew that's where Shador was going to throw, and it seemed like they were really on point with the chemistry because it was like seems like every time you know he was throwing it to him, he was coming down with it. Um, and then I mean, on defense, it's kind of the same thing. Like when he's on defense, he's the best player on defense. So. That's how I looked at it when he got hurt. I'm like, man, that's almost like losing your best player on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, that's a huge impact. And, um, you know, you kind of saw the way his, his teammates stepped up for him after the hit. And, you know, that also put in perspective for you and showed, like, how much of, like, an emotional leader he is, um, you know, on that team. You saw the way that affected the teammates and all that uh, when he took that um, when he took that hit from the guy. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big, uh, big impact, like I said. Um, you know, I think it'll definitely be big too these these next coming weeks. Um, you know, these are like arguably their biggest games of the season. And so to not have, you know, him, that's that's yeah, that's that's a a, a big hurt for Colorado. Um and that's gonna be a big adjustment to make. Um, because you know, like I said, these first three weeks we see a lot of their uh scheme on offense revolved around him, you know, getting the ball. Um so yeah, to be without that on, on both sides of the ball is a is a tough loss. Couple of things you said there. One, with you talk about him being out for these games, it's like low key. Obviously, Shador. Hope Shador is playing, but that's about worst case scenario. It's yeah, like, okay. We got Travis Hunter. We got the five star that if, if even if he wasn't playing for this team, he would be playing one of these major institutions and be a big component in games like against Southern Cal, like against the organs of the world. And sure enough, those are the games he's missing. And I think the, the third game he's missing is like Arizona or it's the bye week. But it's mm-hmm. like this is when we really needed him. So to see he's out for that, that's definitely going to be tough for them. And also, I, I keep emphasizing this, obviously not picking on Cormorant and McClain, but it just goes to show you, because you can think about it. If you would have told me if told me preseason, Travis Hunter goes out, you say, well, Cormorant are probably already playing. But if he's not, this is his time to come in. But they, they had another guy. I think it was 10, if I'm not mistaken. 10 came in there. And it just really shows me it's like, Kermani's working. He's developing. He, and they yeah. have another guy out there. I used to see him all the time in the uh, vlogs. I want to say he's number four, if I'm not mistaken. I was looking up earlier for um, for Colorado. He's a corner. He's from Florida State. And he's, yeah, he's, he's hurt, though, isn't he? He's hurt. And I, I went yeah. and looked at his highlights, and he returns kicks and all. Yeah. Catch interceptions at Florida State. So it just shows they got even more depth. So if there was a time for, like, if Carmine is ready to go be now because those guys are hurt, but those guys already have college experience, been able to play meaningful steps in Division One football. So those guys are probably a little bit more advanced yeah. right now. But, yeah, so it was bit, so it's crazy to see him go out like that. But let's see here. I kind of want to go in order because I don't want to miss any of my – but, no, I guess I'll go ahead and say it. But I tell you what, when he goes down, I, one thing you kind of notice frequently – but Colorado is a new receiver steps up every week. And I guess you kind of pointed out for this week, as far as receivers, you had Xavier Weaver, who didn't have 100 yards this week, but it felt like he almost did, having nine receptions, 98 yards, and one touchdown. You know, Jimmy Horn had the big touchdown at the end of the, uh, the end of regulation. He had seven catches for 76 yards, for 66 yards. But this Michael Harrison, seven the tight end, seven receptions, 76 yards. He was a walk-on to the program and was another one of the guys that was able to stay at the stay with the team through the transition because he mm-hmm. was going for yeah. Dion and man, he made a name for himself in this ball game. It's just it's almost like every time he looked, he was making another big catch. And sometimes like that catch, the two-point conversion, that is the easiest, that's the easiest one to drop. 
Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, okay, I got it, I got it. So much depends on this right now. But he's able to make the play. Just thought that was crazy because you, you heard that a lot of guys didn't, well, that weren't able to make that transition from the old team. But he yeah. was one walk-on guy, stand out. He's from the San, I'm pretty sure he's from San Francisco when I was looking at my notes. And he was able to stay on the team and make a big and make the big plays when they mattered the most. And so, like I said, every week you had the guy last week from Auburn that really showed up to play besides Weaver and then Horn. So every week you find a new weapon that uh, Shador and the rest of the um, Buffs have that is able to emerge and make the big play. So it's an extremely deep group. Um, what? How big of an impact do you think it is for Shador to have a tight end that he can kind of go to whenever it matters? Uh, yeah, it's huge. I mean, you know, uh, that's like the direction we kind of see, um, you know, a lot of teams are going in, in football these days is, is having, you know, a, a good receiving threat at that tight end spot. Um, especially when you look, you know, in the national football league, you see guys like Travis Kelsey and stuff like that, you, you know, they could be considered like the number one receiver on their team, even though they're playing tight end. Um, but, you know, even though that isn't the case uh, with this guy, Colorado, it's like still just having that tight end as a safety blanket because tight ends get a lot of mismatches. Um, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll be matched up on a safety who they'll usually be bigger than or sometimes on a linebacker they'll be faster than or even if they get lined up on like a nickel corner or something like that. You know, that's, you know, a mismatch when it comes to size and stuff like that. So to be able to throw it to a guy you can rely on, always going to catch the ball, um, you know, yeah, that's big. That's really what stuck out to me is, is like, the confidence they had to go to them in those big-time moments. Um, you know, you you know, it, it's, you know, you kind of look at it, you know, both in, in two ways, like, you know, one, that's them having the confidence to go to them, or they just feel like all eyes are going to be on, you know, kind of the, the obvious choices that you would think they might throw the ball to, which, you know, like you said, Jimmy Horn, but just called the touchdown to set them up for that two-point conversion or Xavier Weaver. You know, they might have felt like, okay, well, we know all eyes are going to be on this guy. They're going to expect, they're going to be expecting the ball to go to them. So, you know, let's hit the tight end. But either way you look at it, you know, it just shows the confidence they have in them to to throw to him when you know literally the game is on the line. Um, you know, they didn't get that two point conversion, they probably wouldn't end up winning the game. So, yeah, that right there, I think, just speaks volumes to to you know how important that tight end is for that offense. Kind of. It's kind of like the not to cut you off. It's kind of like that little, the LeBron thing. It's like wait, you're gonna throw the ball to him at the end. Yeah. Like, like when like okay like okay throw the ball to him in the first second quarter. Cool. The game is on the line. A lot of quarterbacks. But I guess this just shows the confidence they've had in them. Probably working a lot in the preseason where he's confident that guy can make that catch. Because it's like if I would almost rather force it to the guy I feel like can catch it. Yeah. Then to like throw it to this guy who might not catch it in the biggest moment. I mean, really, Jackson State probably can remember tight end for last year to drop the ball, so they lost the celebration ball. Mm, yeah, like yeah. We're throwing it to him when it matters. Has he been? How much has he been on the field? But like I said, huge day for that guy. I'm sure his. And I noticed I was looking on their profile in Colorado. They make sure to post the guy's social media on their accounts. Like yeah. you know, they have it on the back of their practices, but on their uh, accounts, you click the profile. So I'm sure he's getting a lot of love, nil love. <laughs> it's, it's all going down in Colorado, but big to see that. How about Shador? Almost yeah. had an intercept. I mean, not Shador, Shiloh. Almost Shiloh, had an yeah. interception, and then he gets the piece, the pick six. Crazy there. The forced fumble. He's really kind of becoming a very impact player on that defense. What I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure some of that comes from from having a experience in the SEC. You know, a lot of people might remember that one year he had at South Carolina. So. 
Um, yeah, man, this is he. Shiloh's played like a lot of football because I mean he was a freshman when he came into South Carolina, and he was if not in a starting role, he was playing a lot. Like I remember seeing him on the field a lot on defense. Um, so that just you know kind of shows you getting on the field as a true freshman is hard. So you know that speaks to probably his football IQ. You know he's probably a real smart player out there. Um, you know I. Now, I don't even want to say probably. I mean, you know, just speaking on that pick six alone, you know, kind of showed off some of his football IQ. I mean, he came from like a high safety spot and jumped, you know, it was like a hitch route or a spot route or something, um, you know, in the middle of the field. So, yeah, I mean, just having the instincts to come all the way down from your safety spot to make that kind of play, you know, shows his instincts and his IQ. And, and like I said, just experience he has. So, um yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't want to say I'm surprised, you know, to to see him out there making all those plays. You know, he's probably one of the most experienced guys on that defense. So I feel like, you know, the guys on the team probably expect that out of him. No, absolutely. I used to see in the vlogs whenever he kind of – when he first got back out there, because, you know, it was a while because he had to graduate from Jackson State since he had yeah, yeah. before. He kind of started leading the group. Also, I see Cam Smith. No, Cam Smith. That was the first name was Cam, though. Because I see Cam get the interception. He also came from Jackson State. Yeah, yeah. So dope to see that. Two last things about Colorado. I guess we'll move forward. Um, Shador, Mr. Clutch. I think he, like, leads college football in everything fourth quarter. Yeah. 98 yards. Shador is a superstar at this point. But some of the stuff he says, I swear to you, your high school quarterback said the same thing in high school. Yeah. Brady yeah. mode. Like, yo, <laughs> like that's yeah. way over everybody's head. We all right. know Brady would make that last drive of the game. So he said that. I was like, he a he's real comfortable with the media. For yeah. you to throw that off at the top of your head, oh, with Brady mode, and every kid our age, kid, yeah, everybody our age, kind of like, oh, hey, there you go, Brady mode, because Brady definitely does that last. You know, everybody used to be watching Sunday Night Football. You could say it's the Patriots versus the Colts, so in that case would be Peyton Manning versus uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. So you give you give Brady the ball back a minute forty seconds. It's going in the end zone. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So thought that was crazy. Now once again, Camara Camara for Colorado State made himself a lot of money as well in this game. He just had the bad penalties at the end. The horrible yeah. penalties at the end. It's like you've created such a great game. But now you're kicked out the game. You get the unsportsmanlike conduct. You kind of help. Kind of the whole team. I was about to say, now, not to cut you off, man. I mean, the whole team struggled with penalties that night. I mean, they, as a team, they had like 17 some penalties for you know 100 plus yards. So yeah, that was yeah, that was a killer. But especially like you said, with Kamara being the best player, that penalty at the end, you know, with him getting ejected. It's like, yeah, that was, yeah, they just couldn't keep their composure when it came – or not composure, but, you know, discipline, I'd say. They weren't very disciplined when it came to that. And that was his second one. And, uh, and then I was about to say, and with that and with him getting hurt, you saw yeah. his legs were locking up. I don't know if his legs, like, like he had those issues, if it's not a different outcome to the game because he was dominant. Yeah. And he was dominant. And like I said, against a great quarterback. But so that is so – that's that. And so just, you know – Hey, big week. It's it's just so crazy because it's like, yep, yep, so great game. They hold on. All right, next week you got working. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned Bo uh, I think you you said Shador, no, you said Shiloh played SEC because I was at the Carolina Auburn game where yeah. he played Bo yeah. Nick before. So yeah. he kind of has an idea of what I feel like Bo Nick's been playing college football forever. Between him and Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, these guys got to be like eight-year vets. Like these guys have been. I remember Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana when Justin Fields was there. 
Yeah, right, right. I think uh, I think both of them might have been freshmen in 2019, which, I mean, I think this would only make them fifth-year seniors. Okay, okay. Um, that, you know, that Kobe year, that Kobe is just like, I don't know, yeah. With, with, I mean, but yeah, you know, because Bo Nix, I think with Bo Nix, it was because he came in at Auburn being a, the starter as a freshman. So it was like, you know, it, it felt like he had a whole you know, career over there at Auburn. Um, you know, before he, he transferred over to uh, Oregon. And then he had, I think he was a freshman All-American. He was the guy, and he was from the state of Alabama, the high school coordinator right. from the state of right. Alabama, goes to Auburn, beats Alabama the first year. And then so obviously he transferred out, went out to, to, out to Oregon, kind of created his own career. Remember, was that last, two years ago, whenever Oregon opened up against like Alabama? Uh, it was some game where we thought Oregon got kind of blown out. Who was that when they opened up against? I know they opened. They opened up against. Auburn. It was. It was because Jameson Williams had a long touchdown. Remember that? That was a. That was a Alabama Miami, wasn't it? It might have been to to start the season. I felt like I remember one of these years. Bo Nix was against. It was at Oregon, and they had a big. Oh opener. oh um. That was uh Georgia, yeah, Oregon, Georgia. That was last season. Yeah, that was last season. Yeah. And so and so like I wanted to be if that doesn't happen, I'm probably more excited about Oregon. Cause it's like, but after that, it's like, oh y'all let me down. Oh <laughs> I, was, I was I was popping it for Oregon. I was like, oh man, Oregon about to take it out of this year. But anyway, hey, doesn't matter. They play this week, 3:30 ABC game. Um, super excited for that one. I think they opened up like a 20 point favorite, if I'm not mistaken. Oregon opens a 20 point favorite. Uh, so I guess the question here, Thomas, is do you believe uh, what what you what you looking for in this game right here? Uh, man, I I'm not gonna lie, man. It's gonna have it's gonna have to be another uh, heroic performance from from Shador, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it, it it'll have to be like, a, and and defense is gonna have to play similar to you know like with how they played in that Nebraska game. Um, but you know, offense can can start off as slow as, as they did in that Nebraska game. Um, because yeah, I, I just think, you know, obviously, I don't want to say obviously, but you know, Oregon is definitely their best competition. They play the date. Um, and it seemed like every, you know, every week it's like we're learning something new about this Colorado team, which I mean is you know, expected since it's a new team or whatever, new team, new staff, like everything's new over there. Um but you know, I'm sure Oregon seeing it the same way is just like week to week, you you're kind of finding more, uh, you know, more cracks in in the in the film or in the system, however you want to call it. Um, you know, TCU is probably rough on that first week. Like you going off of all different types of film, you're probably looking at um, Colorado's OC film from his last school and DC's film from his last school, and so it's like once you actually start building up film from week to week, you'll find more. Um, you know, weaknesses and, and flaws in the team. So I think Oregon is definitely going to take advantage of that. Um, I mean, I think it's no secret that Colorado kind of struggles in the trenches. Um, so, you know, I expect them to definitely put the ball in, in Bo Nix's hands enough to where he, you know, obviously you want the ball in your best player's hands. But I just think we're going to see teams try to try to out-physical Colorado from now on. And like I said, sticking with that run game, also, you know, you're getting physical with their defense and you're keeping the ball out of Shador's hands on offense. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of what teams are seeing. That's like the last thing they want to do is get into a shootout with Colorado because, I mean, it's like we see their, their you know, real deep on offense. Uh, 
you know, it's not like you just shut down one guy and, and you know, take away the whole offense. They, you know, uh, you know, they've got options to throw it to out there and then and hand it to it's a real explosive offense. So that's the last thing you want to do is get into a shootout with them. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, that's that's you know, if I could just put it simple, I just expect Oregon to try to play as physical as it can with them and just keep the ball out of those hands. Cause yeah, Travis Hunter is is you know not having him is going to be a big loss for them. So like I said, I think Shador has to have a, another heroic performance, and you know the best way to kind of stop that is to not even give him a chance, not put the ball in his hands. So yeah, that's that's how I see it going. I think if Jordan Birch, you know, Jordan Birch went to Oregon. I think if he has a big game in this one, then that might cause some problems. If their defensive line can get to the quarterbacks and cause some problems. Yeah. Notice Amari on Cooper. He's another Florida State guy that's a corner now for Colorado. He's heavily involved in run support. Yeah. I feel like every single play, I see him making the tackle. Or he's over near the tackle. So, like I said, and they know that the Oregon, I promise you, if you thought that if you thought Colorado State has speed, Oregon has speed just like that. They will be running yeah. underneath. They will see if they got that figured out. And so, excited matchup. Definitely rooting. That's not much of a journalist right here. Definitely rooting for uh, Colorado. <laughs> I don't think personally. I don't blend, think that they leave, they win both of these next two. I think that's a tough ask. I can't even imagine what you're gonna do when you got uh, Zachariah Branch running underneath route. That's a whole other thing. But worry about that next week. That one has been confirmed for a noon kickoff next week. So this one's three thirty. So exciting to watch that. We'll go ahead and move off Colorado. Like I told y'all earlier on. Every single week, we will talk Colorado football. This is for the first 15, 20, 25 minutes is a Colorado football breakdown. All things Colorado. Now we sound like some beat writers. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll move forward to the SEC. Uh, Alabama, USF. USF gave them everything they can handle. Bad weather. Multiple quarterbacks being played for Alabama. What were your thoughts on the game? Alabama did, in fact, get the win, guys. But uh, it was not what you – you don't expect Alabama could be competing with USF. The best players for USF are in Colorado now. What do you think about Alabama barely getting the win over USF? Hold on, before you say so, let me make sure I say the score of this game. Yeah, I got, I got, I got my stats pulled up with you too. I gotta start having my, my stats pulled up with you. Yeah, I was gonna say you kind of hit me on the other one, kind of quick. Goes up with Thompson. <laughs> Alabama got to win seventeen to three, and I think that game was in Tampa, Florida, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where yeah. USF is. Yep. What were your thoughts on the uh, Alabama barely escaping with a win, and at least not even letting Jalen Miller on the starting quarterback for the rest of the year? Yeah. Uh. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's, you know, it was, was definitely shocking to see. I mean, as, you know, as much as we see in Alabama struggle to start the year, you definitely didn't expect them to, you know, struggle much against USF. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, – I think it was a little odd that Saban played, um, you know, the two other quarterbacks, Ty Simpson and uh, Buckner, and then after the game, you know, says we're, we're, you know, Miro starting for us the rest of the season. Um, you know, I don't know if that was like a, you know, to prove a point to like the the fan base, you know, and the people who were clamoring, you know, to bench Miro and, and start some of these other guys, or, you know, kind of like an example of like, all right, you know, we're going to throw these guys out there and, you know, that's kind of prove why they're in the position they're in, you know, back in the Miro, why Miro's a starter. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just in the same band we're used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I think, yeah, more than anything, this just goes to show you what having a high-level quarterback does for your team. Like, you know, if anybody was, was taking that Bryce Young air for granted, um, you know, this kind of shows you what, what, you know, like I said, just not having a high-level quarterback does for you. Because, I mean, it's not like Miro is a, is a scrub or a bad quarterback. It's just not to the level of Bryce Young. And, you know, when you when you look around the, the college football landscape, it, it seems like all of the top teams, you know, have like a high level quarterback, um, you know, or a star quarterback. Um, you know, it's you don't really see too many of the days where it's like the the rest of the roster is, um, you know, kind of making up for not having a good quarterback. Um, I can't remember who said it might have been Joel Clatt that said on one of his podcasts, but they were just making that point of like it takes a, a crazy talented roster to make up for, you know, bad quarterback play or average quarterback play. Whereas high-level quarterback play can, you know, really make up for, you know, having, uh, you know, kind of average roster talent. So I think this is kind of a prime example of that with Bama. Um, you know, if you're looking at, like, the talent level and, and the recruits, they have the number of, of you know, five-star, four-stars and all that. That number isn't really different too much. But, you know, just that level of quarterback play is, is falling off, you know, drastically just from, from last season, even with having Bryce Young. Um, you know, defense holding USF to three points, I feel like that's kind of expected from Bama. You know, on that side of the ball, that's, you know, seems like things are pretty much as normal over there. But, yeah, that offense um, is, is looking rough for them right now. And it's definitely in, you know, the, the best time in college football to not, you know, become what a lot of offense on your team. So, yeah, Bama's got a lot to, uh, to you know, clean up in these next couple of weeks because, you know, once you get like week three, week four, you know, that's really when you get deep into conference play. So it's like all these kind of tune-up games are over with now. It's like that real competition is about to start. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I think Bama's kind of got a lot of soul searching to do, uh, you know, before they hit this SEC schedule very hard. They were saying they had a players only meeting, so they feel like they had a lot. They got a lot ironed out. We're going to see. But that, and that just goes to show you, too, like, you think you recruited Ty Simpson, who was the five, like a four or five star, definitely was the elite 11 quarterback. And we just got, we about to get off the field on third down. Y'all quick break here, going to the Browns game. We're <laughs> off the field, fourth down. We got three minutes left. Deshaun, let's get it going. I need a touchdown. <laughs> I need you to be Shador, okay? Shador is probably watching you tonight. <laughs> you saw what he did. I need that. But yeah, you get the five star quarterback. He just doesn't pan out, or maybe he loses some confidence over the years sitting there behind Milrose and like he should be playing. And guys just don't always pan out exactly how you want to. It takes a little more time to develop. I think I know one thing for sure. If they can't get this right this season, Mr. Saban will be in that portal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sure. he might try to mess around and go. I don't know if it's even possible because this might be his last year. That guy from uh nah, because Oklahoma State got problems with him. Well, yeah, because <laughs> the guy that went to Ole Miss that died yeah. not the starter. Yeah, Spencer Sanders. I, I know Saban got know all the rules, and I know he's gonna do what he can do to get him back on top. Uh, all right, standing in the SEC, got to talk about. Ooh, let's turn this down. No, we just watched my Browns lose, so pain, pain. She made that the title of the episode. I don't want to mislead people. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna go ahead and move forward. Staying in the SEC, Tennessee losing to Florida. It was weird because that game came on right after the Colorado, what was going on right before the Colorado game. And so people were like, uh-uh. I did not stay up to 1020 at night to watch the end of the Florida game. But luckily, they kind of just switched it over at the kickoff. But what were your thoughts on Tennessee seeing Jalen Milrow and company lose in the swamp? I guess Florida kind of recouping after that last loss they just had recently. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I was I was definitely expecting Tennessee to go in there and win. Um, I mean, you know, Florida definitely didn't have the hottest start to the season. We kind of saw they came out and got embarrassed by uh, by Utah, you know, and we won. Um, and Miro had been – not Miro, um, Milton. Joe Milton had been looking good, um, you know, these first couple weeks for Tennessee. Um, and so I thought he was just going to continue, you know, kind of on that same, uh, you know, path he was having. Um, but, yeah, he was he was getting pressured all night and, and – Florida was running the ball real well. I think they got Travis Etienne's brother out there. I think it's Trevor Etienne. Yeah. Um, I wish I had his stats put up. I was just sitting there talking about yeah, how, I got it. how I was going to have my have my stats put up, and I forgot to have them put up for him. But. No, I got it right here. Trevor Etienne, oh, okay. 23 carries, 172 yards. That's a hell of a day. Yeah. That was an eight yards of carry and a touchdown. It was a huge day for him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, yeah, Florida was just able to run the ball. And like I said, they were able to get pressure. On Milton, um, I mean, Milton had a, he had you know a couple of you know bright moments. He had some some big throws out there that he made. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems like that's just kind of been the name of the game with a lot of teams this year is is pressuring that quarterback. Um, you know, when teams and these teams in college rely so heavily on the passing game, it's like when you can disrupt that, you're disrupting the whole offense. And, you know, they can't even get in in you know a decent rhythm. Um, so yeah, I think it's good bounce back game for Florida. Um, Tennessee is, definitely hurts them a lot. Um, you know, uh, taking a loss this early in the conference play. Um, so you know they'll they'll have to stay uh, you know pretty consistent the rest of this year um, as far as you know stacking on uh, you know stacking the wins on top of each other. They want to uh, you know compete for winning that East. You know, obviously everybody in the East big biggest game is against Georgia. Um, you know, Georgia just got through beating South Carolina. So um, I guess Tennessee can kind of look at that as a plus. It's like, you know, they're not the only team in the East with a conference ball. So, um, yeah, Tennessee just got a little bit shake back. Uh, and, you know, this definitely gives Florida a boost going into these these next couple of weeks going into conference play, um, you know, being able to get an early win against a conference opponent. So that that'll be big for them. It's like new life for you. It's like, okay, season's not over. Yeah. Beat Tennessee. That's one of the big dogs. All you got to do is all you got to do. Uh, <laughs> now you just got to beat Georgia. You right back in the swing of things. So get, get some pressure off of Billy Napier's back right there, too. Because like mm -hmm. you said, I think a lot of people expected Tennessee to win that game. After I watched Tennessee beat Clemson last year, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a Tennessee season to lose. Uh, and then we all got to see the fight at the end of the game, which is always yeah. starting quarterback squaring off with another team's one of the <laughs> fellas. <laughs> so that was interesting to watch. So y'all, Tom was jumping all through my notes. Since, <laughs> since he didn't say it, we were going to talk about South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, South Carolina taking the loss in Athens, final score of 24-14 to the Georgia Bulldogs. That game had a lot of people shocked. When they saw it, I think Carolina was up, if I'm not mistaken, four to three at the half I'm not yeah. and everybody's like wait a minute because we've seen this happen before Georgia have a talented squad and South Carolina just comes in and gets the win but Georgia was able to kind of recover in that second half and get things back going but once again with that inspired with that kind of shows that gives a lot of teams that see some hope it's like this ain't the Georgia team that's just going to blow you out the waters like they've had sometimes yeah. the most talented roster in the country Still, like their quarterback is like he's not just this elite prospect or just a guy like Stetson who's just been there and done that. It's like we can cause them some problems and have a shot. And so the East ain't necessarily open 
But I think when it comes to Florida, Tennessee, and uh, Georgia, you got a shot. It's not one of these years where it's like the only team that's going to be able to beat Georgia is going to be Alabama. So uh, what did you think about that South Carolina-Georgia game? South Carolina just showing that they got something there uh, for that first half before Georgia ends up doing what they they do. Yeah, uh, I think – I mean, I think Georgia just did a good job in that second half of, you know, getting more pressure on Rattler, making him uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, the first half, it wasn't like Carolina was just lighting the the defense up. I mean, they got that last touchdown, like, right before halftime. Yeah. Um. So, you know, yeah, it was a, a tough 14 they score, but I mean, yeah, to, to come out in the second half and just completely shut them out, you know, um, is it like it is a testament to Georgia's, uh, you know, coaching and just the talent on defense to be able to, you know, find out, you know, the, the holes Carolina was finding and then to pass them up real quick um, and to, you know, shut them out that whole second half. Uh, you know, I agree with what you said. It's, it's you know, I'm, I'm think other teams in the SEC um and you know probably just around the country in general you know and you know you think about the the playoff picture and all that are probably looking like okay you know Georgia's ranked number one at three and oh or whatever but you know that definitely wasn't uh you know like a typical Georgia win you know that we've been accustomed to seeing these, these past two or three seasons um and so you know like you said I think teams are kind of looking at it like all right you know we're going to be able to compete with them this year you know they may still have like the superior roster or whatever but you know, we see that, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, make it a game with them as long as we stick with them for a couple of quarters, you know, we just got to come out, you know, Carolina just would have came out better, you know, in, in the second half, um, you know, I mean, like, for, you know, you have 14-3 on Georgia at halftime. I mean, I don't know, you know, what else you can ask for, especially at Georgia, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think teams are, kind of, you know, looking at these Georgia game a little different now. Um, and, you know, you know, not to harp on the quarterback thing again, but again, I just think the Georgia team is an example of, uh, you know, what not having a high level quarterback does for you. Um, you know, they got superior talent on that roster, but, uh, you know, Rattler being a, the elite court, you know, I don't know if we're going to call him elite, but, you know, he's got elite level talent. Um, you know, he was able to keep Carolina in the game for a while, but, you know, kind of like we said earlier, it's like once you take that, you know, quarterback out of the game and, you and, you know, you're able to fluster him, it's kind of like it just shakes up your whole offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, Georgia did a good job with that. I mean, you know, they, they got a lot to take away from this game. That's kind of the positive thing about it, too, is like, you know, you learn a lot, but you come out of there with a win. It's not like you had to take a loss to, you know, you know, learn a lot about the team. So, uh yeah, and, you know, I, I think it'll give Carolina a little bit of confidence, too, you know, just knowing that we went in, uh, you know, to Georgia against the number one team and, and hung with them, you know, for, for two or three quarters. So, uh, you know, I I think Beamer said in his press conference, like, you never want to really take away any moral victories. Um, but, you know, they're always, you know, definitely bright spots and stuff you can look at. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's, you know, I mean – this is the first conference game for Carolina, first conference loss. So it's not like their season is over with either. You know, crazy things can happen if Georgia, you know, takes a, a loss or whatever. That's, you know, that'll kind of just break the, the East wide back open. So uh, I just think, you know, it's kind of a similar situation for both teams where it's like you just got to, you know, keep building off this game. You know, you got a lot of positives and negatives on both sides from both teams. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's a um, – kind of like a needed week, I guess you could say, for both teams. Like I said, both teams are just able to take a lot away from this game. 
One thing that you had said beforehand, I, I kind of wanted to harp on for a second, is you were like, when the pass rushes, they would get to these quarterbacks. You kind of see them kind of not play as well, which is natural in football. Yeah. But the thing is, with all the Elite 11 culture and so many 7-on-7s, these guys know how to pick apart defenses. Yeah. It's no longer a thing of, you know, they just barely throw the ball. It's like, no, these guys have been, a lot of these guys have been playing quarterback since however long. So when you give them time, they could pick apart a defense. But it's just the ultimate answer to that is if you have a passer to get to him because that just shakes things up. Now you're sometimes pressing a little bit to just get the ball to receive before he's open. But they've just been reading defenses for so long. You know, different parts. I know, for example, Jordan Palmer, he says he teaches the young, young ones defenses. Yeah. So specifically, I don't know what Quincy Avery and these different quarterbacks coach, quarterback coaches do throughout the country, but for him, he developed a lot of quarterbacks in the Southern California area. So yeah. all these guys are learning cover two, cover three, cover four, man zone, whatever. All if they're learning at an early age, it's okay. So if you can't rush me, this is easy. Yeah. This is simple. As long as I have some receivers that can catch the ball. So definitely thought that was a good point. So yeah, we'll see what continues, how that SEC East continues to shape up. And then, obviously, with UC as Oklahoma and Texas continue to have success, what's in store for next season? We're going to keep here. We're going to keep moving here. Uh, Really, last two, really got two more topics, really. Clemson, Florida State this weekend. If Clemson does not do what they did against Duke, this is a huge matchup. Like, it's like, oh, what's going going to happen right here? This this is the ACC Atlantic this weekend. It's over right now. But I think after watching – Clemson get beat like that, and everybody got to see it too. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't just yeah. everybody saw that because it was that Monday night game. I think a lot of people are like Florida State easy. Just thinking, what is Coleman going to do? How many? How many touchdowns Coleman's going to have? So, a the the, show, the 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 cameras are on Dabo and the company this week. I think games in Death Valley, if I'm not mistaken. Cameras are on them. It's like you want to kind of re kind of re kind of put put yourself back in the national picture here. Get a win this week and you're home. But if you yeah. don't. I think the ACC, I think the, the Atlantic is over. I think at that point, we know we'll see Clemson in the ACC championship game. Uh, I mean, you'll see at that point, Clemson can't get the win this weekend. Florida's ACC championship game, most likely they win that game. And I expect them to, I mean, unless something crazy happens against South Florida at the end of the season, I kind of expect them to kind of just finish out the year. So, well, yeah. just give me a quick prediction. Who you got? Uh, Clemson, Florida State. Uh. I'm not gonna lie. I think I'm I'm a roll with Florida State. Uh, Florida State kind of had a rough game this past weekend against Boston College. Um, you know they were able to come out there with a win though. But a lot of times those are the games you see teams slip up and and take a loss where they can't really afford one. Yeah. But to come out of there with a win, you kind of get uh, you know, as a team like a I don't know what the word would be to explain it, but you know it's just kind of like you can look back at it and like all right, you know. We were kind of slipping last week, like we almost, you know, messed a lot up for ourselves. You yeah. know, let's, you know, let that be, you know, let that week be that week. Let's learn from it, not run into a situation like that again. So, you know, I definitely think they're gonna come into this week, you know, more locked in than they did last week against Boston College. You know, that might have been part of it. They might have been, you know, looking a little too far ahead, looking forward to this Clemson game. You know, not necessarily taking Boston College as as serious as they needed to. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I think because of that, you know, their struggles this past weekend, I think, you know, they'll, they'll probably have a good week of practice. Like I said, be a lot more focused, um, be able to, you know, kind of correct a, a lot of mistakes they had from this past week on film. Um, but, you know, it's, it's you know, it'll be tough because, you know, much like you said, it's like all eyes are kind of back on Clemson. 
you know, uh, you, you had the embarrassing week one of the game against Duke. And, then, you know, nobody's, you know, you played, what, Charleston Southern, FAU. So, you know, nobody's really tuned in. It was kind of, you know, everybody was in the same mindset. Like, all right, you know, we saw the Duke game. It's like, all right, we're going to check back in in a couple of weeks, you know, in this FSU game. Kind of almost like another shot, you know, for Clemson to redeem themselves, you know, on a national stage. So, you know, it's, it's a huge game for them. Like you said, just all the talk, you know, with Dabo. Um, you know, kind of, you know, people questioning, you know, wondering if he's still, you know, the the lead head coach, you know, that, you know, they kind of pop him up to be. So, yeah, this is a big game, you know, from all angles. Um, But, you know, like I said, that's, you know, kind of my prediction. I have, you know, I think Florida State is going to end up getting it done. We talked about it last week. I remember Florida State coming Death Valley. But that was when Clemson had the Stars. That was back in Clemson. Sean, not just that was before Deshaun. That was Jameis Winston, and yeah. he came in there with loud with the headphones on, the beat on. <laughs> and I just side note, I was talking to baseball guy other James was throwing like ninety three, ninety four, right? Yeah. For that baseball team, and but regardless, it's just, and I think as a matter of fact, he played in an All Star game baseball against Carlos Correa. I don't know if you how much you follow baseball. It's like so Jameis was with the guy, like he wasn't there yeah. just. <laughs> He came in that environment and really kind of shut the uh, shut the uh, Tigers down. Uh, you anytime Clemson plays Florida State, after Florida State, they always bring up that clip of Deion Sanders with that punt return mm-hmm. during his time, and it's just crazy when you look back at those videos of Deion as compared to now. And I will say this real quickly about that Colorado game. One thing I definitely thought I was watching Deion Sanders age during that game. He's like, oh my goodness, like yeah. All the talks is personal pregame and after it's personal. He done, <laughs> he's done everything that he could do to bring publicity to this game. And it's like, yeah. no, do go in the game and they, I think at one point it was like 24-13. Yeah. I, I I vividly I watched him age during that game. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely wanted to add that nugget in there. And the last topic I got I got for today, uh, this is just college football episode, y'all. This, this is the weekend for college football. Y'all, we're on TikTok now. I'm at Sports House. Go check us out on TikTok. Leave a comment. Share with a friend. We're, we're, we're going to be all over here shortly. We're, we're working it out. I'm thinking I'm going to get on YouTube shorts, but it's got to get the logistics worked out. But you got to talk about Ohio State Notre Dame. It's a big one. It's a big one. Last year, Ohio State got the win. Uh, now Kyle McCord is playing a little bit better. He's playing a little bit better. But I really want Ohio State fans to understand how hard what C.J. Stroud was doing. Because, you know, everybody was kind of throwing slouches, and he's not that great. It's like, look at what happens without him. Now, granted, like I said, they played better against Western Kentucky. But I feel like most Ohio State fans are very confident last year. When you look at we might have some things happen, but we feel like we're going to beat Notre Dame. Yeah. It's like now, now, Kyle McCord did have a good day against uh, Western Kentucky, going 19 for 23 for 318 yards and three touchdowns. Seems like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is back on track. Five receptions, 126 yards. I think he's got like 288 yards in the past two weeks, so he's back on track. Yeah. Uh, Mecca Boca had two touchdowns here, and uh, Carnell Tate had. I think he had his first touchdown as a Buckeye, if I'm not mistaken. It might be a second, but I think it was his first one. He's one of the freshmen. But now you got the big showdown, the rematch. Uh, Notre Dame's head coach, what's his name? Uh, Freeman, Marcus Freeman. He comes back to play his own team again. And this one, the game is in South Bend. The British is a 7.30 game, and that is going to be on NBC, if I'm not mistaken. It's definitely 7.30, and I'm pretty sure NBC. I'm pretty sure it is. Thomas, prediction, who you got? Uh, I got Notre Dame. 
Uh, I think I think Sam Harvin is a difference from Notre Dame. Um, you know, they always got the roster, but it seems like they're always lacking, you know, like that top quarterback play. Um, you know, I know we've been, you know, speaking a lot about that this episode, but that's kind of been the, the story for Notre Dame. They never really had like that big name quarterback uh, up until now. Um, and, you know, I, I got to watch him in person against NC State a few weeks ago. Um, and there, you know, I was kind of, you know, Notre Dame's first test coming off that uh, off that Navy game where they, you know, kind of walked through Navy pretty easy. Um, but, yeah, I just think Sam Hartman makes a difference for them. They got a good run game, but just having that quarterback, that that good game manager who, you know, knows the offense well and, and he's going to make all the right decisions, make all the right throws. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's the the difference in this game. When you look on the other side at Ohio State and it's kind of not really the same situation with that quarterback you know you don't have as much confidence in him you don't necessarily know if he's gonna make the right throw or the right play um you know you can't just you know put the game all on him like that's you know with, with Notre Dame I feel like if Ohio State comes out and starts to run they're comfortable with saying all right we're gonna you know sit back and let you know Hartman throw it around the field and put it in his you know hands for us to win the game um whereas you know I feel like if Notre Dame sells out against the pass and like all right we're gonna you know bracket cover Marvin Harrison and you know, uh, Emeka, you know, and, and just try to make McCord beat us, you know, that might be trouble for Ohio State. I feel like they're going to have to get the run game going early and, and have a good balance of both, you know, the run and the pass uh, to beat Notre Dame. Um, and so, you know, that's a that's a tall task for, you know, Ohio State who's, you know, going up against a good Notre Dame defense. So I just feel like uh, Notre Dame will settle in a little quicker than Ohio State. And, and you know, I think they're at Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that'll be a, a, you know, big help being in, in that environment. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I, I think Sam Harvin makes all the difference for that game. So, yeah, I got Notre Dame and that one. I'm rooting for my Buckeyes. I'm rooting for Kyle. <laughs> I'm rooting for Kyle McCord to get the job done. Tough environment. We're going to figure everything yeah. about him in this ball game. Uh, it should be interesting to watch. But, yeah, that's about it I got for this week's episode. Tom, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. That's it for me. Oh, yeah, by the way, Mel Tucker, he has been let go at Michigan State. That was the only other thing. He's been let go. We saw he was suspended. I was like, this ain't looking good. More stuff comes out. I was like, yeah, so they let him go. Um, Michigan State got got to mention Michael Penix. I think this man had like 300 yards throwing this week. Yeah. In the first half, serious Heisman contender. I don't think a lot of people are really paying that much attention to him because he's out west and he's not Colorado. He's not like Bo Nix. But he's a guy, million Thomas will talk about it before the show. He um I remember watching him play against Justin Fields whenever Justin Fields was at Ohio State, but he's still yeah. and uh, so definitely somebody everybody should tune into. But yeah. Because um Colorado doesn't play Washington, do they? They aren't on the schedule, are they? I don't remember. Let me check it out real quick. Colorado football. I was about to say that just that's a crazy tough schedule. You gotta see Oregon, USC, and uh, Washington. And the, it's funny, and the Pac-12 really should be the division where you need the best defensive back. But no, they don't play. Right. Oh, they don't? Okay. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's the division where you need your best defensive backs because right now, at least, it's like, my goodness, you're seeing a Heisman quarterback candidate every single week. And even right. if you say DJ ain't a Heisman quarterback candidate, it's like, but he was a five-star and one of the, and one of the best quarterbacks to leave. I want to say St. John Bosco. But yeah, y'all, so that's all we got for this week. Make sure to follow TikTok, follow the Instagram. It's Matt Sports House. I've been Matthew Anderson. That's Thomas Hemingway. And uh, that's it. Peace.